slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast. Lots to get to today. We will, of course, break down the Islanders' Saturday night 3-0 loss in Toronto to John Tavares and the Maple Leafs. That was a disappointing performance, and this team's inconsistent play is continuing right now. We will also, of course, discuss the season-ending injury to Adam Pellick and what it means for this hockey team. Uh, If you followed us on Twitter, then uh, you knew right away that the uh, injury was season-ending, and now the Islanders need to reinforce the defense. We'll talk about that. We'll also preview tonight's game against the Colorado Avalanche, and we will have this date in Islanders history featuring one of John Tonelli's greatest games of his NHL career. So a lot to talk about. Let's start off by discussing Saturday night's 3-0 loss in Toronto. Not all bad news, but not enough good news, I guess is the way I would put it. Sebastian Ajo and Ross Johnston were the scratches for the Islanders. Michael Hutchinson in goal for Toronto And Simeon Varlamov, again, gets the call for the Islanders. So Varlamov clearly has established himself as the Islanders' number one goalie for now. And things got underway in Toronto. Interesting game in that there was only one penalty called all game long. And not a lot of scoring. The first period, no penalties and no goals. Pulak had a good chance just 90 seconds into the game, had the first shot, uh, made a nice rush, but was not able to beat Hutchinson, and Hutchinson played a very strong game, to say the least. Now, there was a little bit of a momentary scare uh, early on in the game. Derek Broussard skated off the ice gingerly, but was able to return, and did not miss a shift, so that was a good thing. Uh, Zach Hyman had the first really good scoring chance for uh, the Maple Leafs. That one came at about a minute, a little more than a minute left in the period. He was able to out-battle Johnny Boychuk and get a good shot, but Varlamov came up with the save. Eberle had a good chance a few minutes before that. Jordan Eberle, but Hutchinson made the save. At the end of the first period, an even period, Islanders out shooting Toronto 7-6. And at that point, you had to be thinking, well, you know what? Toronto comes into this game as the top-scoring offense in the league. You're on the road. You hold them to six shots and no goals in the first period. That's a solid road period. And it looked like, you know, things were 
going pretty well for the Islanders at that point. Then, you know, unfortunately, it, it didn't hold. Now, early on in the second period, it was all Islanders. And in the first five or six minutes of the period, the Islanders had seven of the first eight shots on goal in the second period. And, you know, Bailey had a great scoring chance a couple of minutes after that. But Hutchinson really came up big for the Maple Leafs and managed to keep the Islanders off the scoreboard. Then Tavares had a shot from inside the left circle midway through the second period. And again, Varlamov comes out, cuts off the angle, and makes the save. But finally, the scoreless tie is broken. At 13.25 of the second period, Pierre Engvall, his sixth from Kasperi Kapanen, at, again, 13.25, and it was one nothing in favor of the Maple Leafs. Boychuk had a chance to quickly even things up, but he ends up hitting the post. And then, just seconds after that, the red-hot and always dangerous Austin Matthews gets his 28th goal of the year at 16.07 from Mitch Marner and Justin Hull. And, you know, after taking that shot off the post, Boychuk had the puck along the wall, didn't didn't play it well, and that results in the rush back the other way. So at the end of two periods, the Islanders trailed by a score of 2-0 despite outshooting Toronto 23-13. to And again, you're holding Toronto and their explosive offense to 13 shots on goal in two periods. That's a darn good defensive performance by this team. But letting in two goals. Now, look, the first goal, there was really nothing that uh, Varlamov could do about it. The second goal, really, again, not a terrible goal given up by Varlamov. Uh, The Islanders had the only power play came late in the second period when Cody Ceci was called for hooking Cunackle, but the Islanders unable to get anything really going on that power play. In fact, Josh Bailey coughed up the puck, almost resulting in a in a very bad three-man odd man rush for the Maple Leafs, but it didn't quite happen, and the Islanders were able to hold them off. Third period, Islanders, you know, kind of desperate, got to get something going, had their chances. Matt Barzal hits the post a couple of minutes in. Anders Lee, a minute and a half in, had a great scoring opportunity not going to get it done. Midway through the period, Barzal had a backhander from just outside the crease. But again, Hutchinson with the glove, and he gets it done. And then the Islanders pull their goaltender with a little more than two minutes left in the third period, desperately trying to get back in it. And Zach Hyman scores an empty net goal, his 10th from Marner and Matthews, at 17.52 to close out the scoring Islanders shutout for the second time this season. And here's the bigger problem. You know, we've talked about the Islanders' need for more offense. Well, four of their last six games, as of right now, the Islanders have been held to two goals or fewer. 
And that is not a recipe for sustained success in the National Hockey League, especially when you consider the number of mediocre defensive performances the Islanders have had over their last 10 games. I think about the game in against the Predators that was just poor defensive hockey and, and a few others that just, you know, weren't characteristic of the Barry Trotz team. So right now, I'd say it's safe to say this Islander team is sort of running in place. They are playing inconsistent hockey at best. And now with the key injury coming up, the season-ending injury uh, to Pellick, they've got to get something going. We will uh, take a look at some of the stats from the Toronto game. We'll discuss the Pellick injury and what it means for this team. And we have a lot more to get to, including this date in Islanders history and a preview of tonight's game against the Avs at the Coliseum. Lots more to talk about on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so we check out the statistics from this game. And look... Interestingly enough, what player leads the Islanders defenseman in ice time? Devon Taves with 23-41. Nick Letty right behind him at 23-34. Ryan Pulak, 23 minutes. So, you know, Noah Dobson, only 10-54 of ice time and not the best game. He was a minus two uh, in this contest. Also was uh, credited, I guess, with one giveaway. Pulak led the defenseman with four shots on goal. Boychuk, Johnny Boychuk, with three hits to pace defenseman. Leo Kamarov led the forwards with four hits. Uh, minus threes in this game for Barzal, Bailey, and for Taves, as we mentioned, a minus two for Beauvillier and Noah Dobson. Uh, face-offs, it was interesting. The Islanders did poorly in the face-off circle. Matthew Barzal, just one out of seven. Josh Bailey, two out of six. Brock Nelson, just four out of 11. But the one player who did exceptionally well in the dot there, Derek Broussard winning eight out of nine for the Islanders. Varlamov, 20 saves in 22 shots for a 9.09 save percentage. He takes the loss, giving up only the two goals, and that had to be frustrating. Overall, the Islanders just not getting the job done. Eberly led the way with six shots, followed by Bailey with four, and as I mentioned, Pulak with four, but inconsistent play continuing right now for the New York Islanders, and that is going to have to change. Now, we talked about the Pelic injury, and let's you know, look at what it means for this team. Adam Pellick, 38 games played, one goal, eight assists, a plus four, 20 penalty minutes, uh, 81 hits, 83 blocked shots. And here's the thing about a guy like Adam Pellick and the 83 blocked shots, by the way, first on the team. He is one of those players that... If you don't watch him play every day, you probably wouldn't even know a lot about him. Uh, he is steady. He is consistent. He is positionally sound. He is reliable. He kills penalties and just is the kind of player that coaches love to have on their roster. And the other thing is, you know, obviously 
he's the guy who logs a lot of ice time. And the duo of Pelik and Pulak, obviously, no longer going to be together. In fact, the thing is that the Islanders are now going to have to juggle their defensemen in order to, uh, you know, their pairings, in order to figure out who goes where and how much ice time they're going to get. Noah Dobson, right now, I like the kid. I think he's got potential. But I don't think he's ready for more than, let's say, 14, 15 minutes a game. And like like we said again tonight, he had little less than, what was it, 11 minutes, 12 minutes of ice time. He is going to be at most a role player. And if he's going to play, let's say, 12 minutes a game, two or three of those minutes are going to be power play minutes. So, look, they called up Sebastian Ajo, and he has some NHL experience He'll be able to do some work filling in, but when you look at the big picture, I think the problem is there is nobody in the organization right now or on the roster right now who can readily fill in the role that Pellick plays. And Adam Pellick's loss is going to probably force the Islanders to look to bring in a defenseman from outside the organization. Uh, You know, they're going to probably try to go with the guys they've got for a few games, but you look at the standings right now, it is so tight. This team cannot afford to go into a slump. They've already fallen out of second place in the Metropolitan Division. Right now, the Islanders are 10 points behind Washington. Washington with 63 points. Pittsburgh is now past the Islanders. They have 55 points, so they are two points ahead of the Islanders. Now, the Islanders have two games in hand, but the Islanders at 53 points. Carolina, 50. Philadelphia, 49. Four points separates the Islanders and fifth place in this division. So the the margin for error right now, not very good. And... I think the Islanders are going to need to bring in a steady defensive presence on the blue line in order to maintain the type of hockey style that they like to play, and that's defense first. And, you know, they did a pretty good job of limiting the opportunities of Toronto Maple Leafs, an explosive offensive team, on Saturday night. But I don't know if they can sustain this without Adam Pellick in the lineup for the second half of the season. Now, there is a chance he could come back for the second round of the playoffs if the Islanders get that far. And that was the diagnosis. It's approximately a four-month injury. Suffered, by the way, you know, they're saying it's a freak accident, but rumors buzzing around Twitter and in a few other places that indicate that the injury took place during one of those uh, pre-game activities that take place, you know, in the tunnel outside the locker room where they use a soccer ball and try to kick it and head it and keep it from hitting the ground. Don't have confirmation on that. Trying to talk to some of my sources and find out. But either way, freak accident costing him, you know, the rest of the season and the Islanders going to have to really pick up their play. And I just don't know if they have the horses right now on defense. Depth on defense was always an issue. 
Now we have to see, you know, Thomas Hickey still injured. He might be a, a more reliable call-up if he's healthy, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when and if he is ready to go. All right, we are going to take a little break when we come back. We'll have this date in Islanders history featuring John Tonelli's best offensive output, and we will preview tonight's game against another explosive team, the Colorado Avalanche, come to the Coliseum tonight. All this and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, don't forget, if you have a question or a comment or something on your mind, uh, don't hesitate to email the show, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to uh, mention you on the air, talk about your, answer your question, talk about your topic, or uh, respond to your comment. So please feel free to reach out to the show, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. So let's take a look back at this date in Islanders history. We go back to January 6th, 1981 at the Nassau Coliseum, Islanders, Toronto Maple Leafs in a battle, and the Islanders get on the board first. John Tanelli, his 10th of the year from Mike Bossy and Brian Trottier. That makes it one to nothing in favor of the Islanders. Then when Greg Hottam went off for kneeing at 14-16, Islanders go on the power play, and it's Trottier. Brian Trottier, his 13th from Dennis Potvin and Mike Bossy, and the Islanders led 2-0 after 20 minutes. In the second period, the Islanders extend their lead. Tonelli, his second of the game, is 11th of the season, from Dave Longevin and Mike Bossy at 143, and it's 3-0 Islanders. Uh, some fisticuffs in the second period, midway through Bob Lorimer of the Islanders and Wilf Paymont of the Leafs each get five minutes for fighting. Looked like the Islanders were going to go into the locker room with that 3 nothing lead, but with one second left in the second period, Rick Vave of Toronto beats Chico Resch. He gets his 19th of the year from Daryl Sittler and Greg Hottam, and it's a 3-1 hockey game going into the third and final period. Well, the Islanders don't sit still. Tonelli completes his hat trick at 153 of the third period. Bossy and, St and Stefan Pearson with the assists, and the Islanders lead by a 4-1 margin, but the Leafs weren't dead yet. 9.56 into the period, Ron Ellis gets his second of the year from Dave Farish and Laurie Boschman. And then at 16.06, Vave his second of the game, 20th of the year from Farish and Pat Hickey. And it's suddenly a 4-3 hockey game with a little less than four minutes left to go. But the Islanders weren't quite done. Rick, uh, John Tanelli gets his fourth goal of the game, his 13th of the year from Trottier and Bossy. And then, with less than a minute left in the game, Tanelli, an empty netter from Bossy. Five goals in this game for John Tanelli. By the way, a pretty big fight in the third period between Gary Howard of the Islanders and some guy named Barry Melrose of Toronto. 
who of course later went on to coach the uh, LA Kings and to be a broadcaster for, uh, among other places, ESPN. Uh, the Islanders, six assists for Bossy in this game, five goals for Tonelli, a goal and two assists for Brian Trottier. Trottier, Tonelli, and Bossy, and Dave Longevin and Stefan Pearson, all a plus four in this game. Tonelli led the way with six shots. Chico Resch in net, making 28 saves to earn the victory. All, well, five of the six Islander goals come off of goaltender Yuri Shra. So, at the end of the day, the Islanders skate away with a 6-3 to win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on this date in Islanders history, January 6, 1981. Five goals for John Tonelli, six assists for Mike Bossy in an outstanding game for the Islanders on this date in Islanders history. All right, so let's look at tonight's game at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders will be taking on the Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche winners of their last two. They beat the New Jersey Devils on Saturday 5-2 to two in Newark. They also handled the Blues 7-3 to three, uh, on January 2nd back in Colorado. They had lost their previous three before going on this two-game little winning streak. Overall for the season, the Avs are 25-13-4. They are an explosive hockey team. They now lead the league in goals scored. They are ninth in the league in goals against power play, middle of the pack, 13th in the league, 20% success rate. The PK, 21st in the league, a 78.6% efficiency rate at killing penalties. As we check out the lineup for the Avalanche, obviously Philip Grubauer is the number one goalie right now. He is... 12-9-3 on the year, a 2.87 goals against average, and a 9.11 save percentage. But Pavel Frankuz is playing better hockey as of late. He's only started 15 games, but he's 11-3-1 in those 15 games. And he has better numbers, a 2.41 goals against average, and a 9.27 save percentage. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the call against the Islanders tonight. Nathan McKinnon by far the leading scorer for the Avs, 25 goals, 39 assists, and 64 points. 23 of those points coming on the power play, including eight of his 25 goals. Kale Macher is the next highest scorer with half the number of points of McKinnon. He has nine goals and 32 points. Other notable goal scorers, Miko Rantanen with 15 Eunice Donskoy with 14, and former Maple Leaf Nazem Kadri also with 15. Uh, Gabrielle Landeskog in only 26 games, 10 goals and 17 points. We take a look at the line combinations. McKinnon centers the top line with Landeskog and Donskoy on his wings. Kadri is the second line center with Matt Calvert on his left and Valerie Nichuskin on his right. The third line, J.T. Comfer is the center. Former Shark Matt Nieto and Miko Rantanen are his wingers. And the fourth line, Pierre-Edward Belmar. 
Centers Tyson, Jost, and Andre Borakovsky. Meanwhile, on defense, Ryan Graves and Kale Mocker are the top pairing. Samuel Gerard and Eric Johnson, the second pairing. And Ian Cole and Nikita Zadarov are the usual third pairing. And Colin Wilson remains on the injured list for the Avalanche. Islanders' defense, again, going to have to step up. And it'll be interesting to see what Barry Trotz does to slow down Nathan McKinnon. He is a challenge. He is fast. He is so smart with the puck. And the Islanders, I think, are going to need to be on top of their game to slow McKinnon down. And they're going to have to do something on the power play. Right now, the Avalanche, second place in the Central Division, Five points behind the defending Stanley Cup champion Blues, but Colorado has a game in hand. So, tough challenge for the Islanders tonight uh, as they face the Avs, and they have very little turnaround because tomorrow, Tuesday, they will be in New Jersey for a big divisional match against the Devils. And of course, tomorrow, we will have a full preview of that, plus all the latest Islanders news and a review and analysis of tonight's game against the Avs. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked On Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and a rating on your local podcatcher. That helps other Islander fans find the podcast, and it's always appreciated. Have a great night, everybody, and thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day.